Welcome to episode 245 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Tom Moore. He is a principal software engineer, comma, product at Abstract. That's context you will need for several jokes in the near future. Tom is a super smart guy. He's been in the startup world for forever. Uh, he and I have a shared, not overlapping context, mm. but shared context uh, in you fact both work of, the same place of working at, different at, times. at Buffer at different times. Uh, and it was great to finally get him in the studio. We've literally asked him like 10 times and he finally said yes. Uh, so it was great catching up with Tom. Before we get into the episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Swipeys. Swipeys is, if you haven't... Don't say it like that. It sounds like it's two words. Swipeys is the newest, fastest way Brian, to swipe say, what? Say it like the brand is. Swipeys are the best. Yes. We bought a whole bunch of custom ones, and they are awesome. What are Swipeys? Swipeys are wet, erasable paper, and it's, it's the greatest shit. Reusable paper with a grid on it so you can draw things, and uh, it won't rub off when you carry them around or put them in your backpack or anything like that. They're wet erased, which means it needs water to be wiped off. Uh, so it's like this semi-permanent reusable piece of paper, which is absolutely amazing for taking notes, drawing UI, mocking stuff up, wireframing, whatever it might be. Uh, it's all on a grid. You can get custom layouts, however you want it, different sizes of paper. So they're my favorite. We got in touch with Swipeys in the weirdest way, which was that at our very first live show at Etsy back in New York City, uh, our friend Kaylee Betts came up and shoved them into our hand. And she was like, hey, I made these. You should use them. And, fun fact, we did, and then we ordered a bunch of custom ones, because they're great. We have hundreds floating around. I have probably mm -hmm. 10 in my backpack at all times. I have a stack of 12 sitting right behind me. Yeah. Uh, we seriously can't recommend them enough. Uh, for designers, for developers, if you're just taking notes, need to mock up just a quick outline of something and have it reusable for later, uh, it's absolutely perfect. It's and again, they got grid on the front and like plain on the back. So yeah. like switching from lists to mockups and everything is like yeah. awesome. And I can't stress enough, it, it they're transportable. It doesn't just wipe off with your hands. You can throw them in your backpack. You can take them to meetings and it's not gonna, you're not gonna lose your work like a dryer. It depends on how your hands are, but yeah. If your hands are always wet, different problem. Swipeys <laughs> might not be for you. <laughs> you might want that looked at. Uh, where can people get their hands on some swipeys? Are available at swipei.es. Swiper Spain URL. Swippy.es. And if you use the promo code SPECFM, S P E C F M, you'll get 10% off your uh, whole order. Y'all, anything in the store. Look at that. Go wow. buy swipeys, but also convince your company to go buy just like a thousand swipeys you for your custom. entire team. It's you so can great. have custom ones with your company's logo on them. It's such a great welcome gift. Like when you go to a, a new company or whatever, I've seen them on people's desks before. Airbnb got some custom ones. Also, Mo's how got some custom ones. dope would it be to have literally tradable white erase with Pokemons like, on them? It's like a whiteboard <laughs> that you can give to an engineer and say like this. Yes. It's awesome yep. uh take them to meetings i've used them for that yeah back at sidewire dang it's been a minute but they're great when i bust them out at facebook everyone's like holy shit what are those those are the coolest things ever i know uh <laughs> seriously can't speak highly enough go buy them get your company to buy them at swipi.es that's swipeys and stop wasting paper damn it idiots it was earth day three days ago when you're listening to this don't you know anything about, about earth? the earth <laughs> And paper. Thanks, Swipeys. <laughs> and with that, let's get into episode 245 with our pal Tom Moore. 
so my name's Tom Moore. I'm the principal product engineer at Abstract right now. Whoa, that's a crazy title. Thank you. What does it mean? <laughs> I have. I think I'm the only one in the world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the vice principal software engineer reports to you. <laughs> Uh, there's one. You of run the school at Abstract. Wait, wait, wait That's hang on. One. Say it again. Principal product software engineer. No, principal software engineer of product, comma product. <laughs> oh, comma product. <laughs> so not the non-product software. Yeah, that's other people. Okay, let's <laughs> let's break this down. You know, like the the servers and yeah. things. What does principal mean? I know that's like a there's a pattern in software engineering of being a principal engineer. I had to look it up. What does it mean? Um, I mean, I don't necessarily remember. I think it just means that you're I like... I write good code. It's like... <laughs> it's like primary, right? Yeah, like it's, 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 it's supposed to be super like lead. above senior. Like you're just managing projects, leading initiatives, that type of thing. Nice. Which is, to be honest, is what a senior engineer does too, right? Sure. But a senior engineer not, doesn't necessarily do that stuff. They could just be writing kick-ass code. I see. And the, the comma product would be differentiated by like comma ops or comma infra. Or something. Yeah, I don't know if that's a pattern that people do a lot of necessarily, but abstract just does their own thing. We just decided they're fairly abstract. Exactly, we have abstract titles too. Yeah. Um, so just you know, I'm focused on the front end, on the user experience, mm-hmm. um, interacting with design all day, every day. Ugh. Make sure we build the right things and that they're of a reasonable quality, right? Sure. So, uh, for people that don't know. What's abstract? Let's get this out of the way. Oh man, yeah. So uh, I mean, I assume people know, but also we should probably most of you listen. We should never point. assume. Absolutely. So abstract is a platform to version your design files, just sketch files right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as with most companies, we have grand aspirations. Sure, and the product is is built in a way to to handle lots of different file types. Uh, so as you're working as a designer, you're um, we enable you to to commit your changes in the same way that engineers do. Um, so like granularly, all from the command line. Uh, well, from a sketch plugin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you like you write down what you've been working on. You know, like uh, updated the button styling, updated brand, that type of thing, uh, in different little chunks. Updated brand. <laughs> updated brand. Yeah. That's hopefully hopefully better than that. Yeah. Um, and fixed then sketch render, fixed sketch rendering issue. Uh, yeah. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> and then you ha- and then you know you build up this history, um, and it provides we automatically sync everything. Um, so your sketch files are kind of managed in the in the cloud, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, your team can see what's going on. We push things to Slack. Yeah. Um, and provide this this place that you can manage the entire design process. Really. Yeah. When you're working on product, how much of that is interfacing with the underlying design tools, like the sketches of the world, or are you just really focused on like is that is that piece solved of ingesting sketch, and now you can work on like the UI or the controls or the features of because sketch never changes anything and it doesn't break any connections or anything. Right, they don't have monthly release cycles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they do. Um, It's definitely not a solved problem. it's not something I directly work on, um, but it is something that it does affect the product. And that's you know, not comma product. That's yeah, comma something else. It's comma desktop engineer. Got it. Comma desktop. Yeah, um, it's definitely not a solved product. It isn't a solved problem. Our our 
engineers that are working on that are constantly working to make it better, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, basically the, the magic behind Abstract is that we we take the sketch file and convert it into our own format. Yeah. Um, which is versionable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we magically convert it back into a sketch file when you need it. Uh-huh. Um, and it sounds crazy, but what that enables you to do is kind of have this at any, we can create a sketch file from any point in time. So if your product's been running for two years and you want to go back to this very specific moment, we can just like generate a sketch file for that moment in time, um, which is can be really useful. <laughs> that can be really useful. Yeah. So you don't work on the that like underlying stuff. So what are the product problems that, that keep you up at night or the things you're working on right now? Uh, things we're working on right now. Right now we're working on the uh, what we're calling the build functionality, which is kind of developer handoff. And uh, we actually just started to uh, to beta test that on Spectrum. So, so. <laughs> I hear that's the thing you know about. Uh-huh. So we invited uh, 20, 20 plus teams on last week to start beta testing that functionality. Um, brought them into the Spectrum group to give feedback. Uh, that's going really well so far. We've actually had a lot of great feedback uh, in like the first day. Um, it's the magic of Spectrum. Huh. It's got to be. It's it, it could not have been done any other way. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been possible on any of the other community platforms. Um, I don't know. It was pretty seamless. Yeah, I have no complaints. Thanks, bud. You didn't hit any problems at all. I, I can't think of a single bug that I came across. <laughs> The context here for listeners is there were lots of bugs <laughs> that we shipped fixes for yesterday. Yeah, they're resolved now. And honestly, it was mainly on the moderation side. Yeah, so they were about one role. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it, Tom. <sighs> you know, somebody had to find them. And that role yeah. was Tom Moore. Aren't you glad it was me? I actually am very relieved it was you. I'm like, oh, thank God it's someone that I can like text and work right. this out. <laughs> Something whose problems we don't care about. <clears throat> yeah, somebody who, somebody who I don't really give a shit if they have a horrible experience. You know, that's kind of the relationship that I feel That's That's where you want all bugs to be reported by. <laughs> yes. Can you be our principal bug reporter, comma, product? Uh, what does it take? <laughs> am I not there yet? <laughs> Stuff your game up. Uh, okay, developer handoff. Let's talk about this. Because yeah. this is like the thing that everybody is attempting to solve in some way or another. And there are a lot of solutions. There are a lot of solutions. I'm not we gonna, talked about this a lot not long ago. I'm I came gonna, to your office and like bugged you about this. Right. I'm going to beat about in the bush on that one. Let's, let's dig into it because I'm curious how it where you've approached it differently or even how you think of the problem in general of like what developer handoff means in in the process of building a product? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think like the one big advantage that Abstract has is once you're already, once you're committing there, and this is kind of like the foundation of, of the idea and the product, right? Like we, we have all the data already. Um, it's, we've, we've, for some customers, we have over a year, maybe two years worth of data for our very original beta users. Um, and when we turn on handoff, you can go and inspect any of that, all back through history, any moment in time. Because they're descriptions of the files, not the files themselves. Right. Um, and so like the def- that's definitely our biggest advantage, whereas a lot of the other tools you have to like very specifically pick which things you want to be able to make inspectable and kind of upload them somewhere. Um, but 
we already have that. It's kind of where you're already storing the stuff. Okay. Um, so you can go to any version of any artboard and be able to pull out measurements sure. and colors and typography. So you, you envision a developer doing this, saying, I, I want to find the, the state of this mock at this day, and, yeah. and then I open the mock in the browser or, or whatever the desktop Yeah, it is. works in both places. Uh, and then they're inspecting measurements, they're getting values. Right, right. And that's the handoff aspect. Um, that's the main part of it right now. So there's like three phases we have in mind. One is kind of, like I say, just exposing the raw data yep. that we have basically. So yeah, colors, typography, measurements, that type of stuff. Um, symbols mm-hmm. um, and kind of their relationships within the artboard is another important thing. Um, the second phase is uh, assets. So being able to pull assets out without having to have Sketch or any other design tool that we might support installed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third phase is um, code generation and that kind of side of it. Mm-hmm. And whether that's CSS or whether it's some other type of code mm-hmm. that we have. Stateful React components. Wouldn't it be lovely? <laughs> Wouldn't that be? Another problem that lots of people are solving. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an interesting problem because the code generation has a really bad reputation just historically, probably largely as a relic from Dreamweaver days. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can design your website in Dreamweaver and then just copy and paste this like 10 billion line HTML file that we auto-generated for you and have fun. Right. How are you guys, how do you think about doing that better, making the, the code generated like really useful and, and, and good? Absolute positioning. <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Here. It is. I feel a little on the spot, but but mainly because honestly, like you didn't we, know you were coming into a, too much yet. Like, it's you like, didn't know you were getting like, a grill session. That's today. that's three. We're like, oh, okay, six months. I'll, yeah, I sure. I'll worry about that in a little in sure. a little while. Sure, sure. Um, it's it's definitely it's an interesting problem, right? Because I don't know if there's enough information inside of a design file to be able to yeah mm-hmm. to make something really useful or not i, I don't know yet it's basically my answer to there's that. a lot of issues on the design tooling side as far as like describing what a thing is versus just drawing a picture of it right right mm-hmm. and yeah we've discussed this before mm-hmm. like if you is a how do i know something's a button right do we just take that from the label mm-hmm. i mean i don't think not every designer is very good at labeling yeah. their what if it's their buttons? <laughs> what if it's just btn what if it's like some other yeah. name for a function. Yeah, there's any number of things. And yeah, I wonder if this is one of the reasons that Zeppelin, um, who's another tool that's kind of doing the, the developer handoff aspect, has kind of brought, brought up plugins recently um, for that, as, that, aspect, that aspect of the problem, right? For the code generation. Hmm. I wonder if they're kind of hoping that other people will Mm. We'll look at how to do that. You know, like, hey, we gave you the functionality and maybe you can figure, figure it out. Figure it out for <laughs> I, I know, like, yeah. Haiku's trying to do this right now and uh, Webflow's obviously working on it, things like that. But Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely harder to go that direction than from React to Sketch, mm-hmm. right? Um, definitely. If John Gold X, can do it, anyone can do X it. To sketch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not to diss the achievement there. Yeah. I meant to. <laughs> <laughs> but. Hi, John. <laughs> Uh, okay so developer handoff um, for people that are using abstract is that like coming coming soon yeah that's coming soon very soon Um, we're also working on uh, review requests Mm -hmm. 
She's kind of codifying the uh, design review process. Ooh, talk to me about that. You like that? Uh, codifying it is interesting because I found in my past design review processes were somewhat informal mm-hmm. and like not generally written down. They're like, it's like, oh, we have a design review and then that person just goes and talks to the engineer and figures it out. Right, right. Kind of similar to a code review too, right? Like, Yeah. Well, it sounds like this is going closer to a code review. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely closer to a code review in our mind. Um, and I think what you just said is kind of one of the problems with the design review process potentially, right? You you sit in a room, you put the put them up on the wall or you put them up on a screen and you go through and discuss them. But is that is that actually written down anywhere? Um, I'd say in a lot of organizations, it probably isn't. Maybe, mm-hmm. hopefully somebody's taking notes. <laughs> probably but, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we actually just did a design review on Friday using the kind of like internal version of this. Um, and so our, our principal designer, let's use that word again, Tim <laughs> Van Damme. Ugh, uh, I think you've probably had him in, on here before. Yeah, we have. Um, back. I think it was like episode 11? 10. Wow, he's not been on since then. It's 230 some episodes. He hasn't done ago. anything interesting since then. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. He's definitely going to Timothy Van Dang. <laughs> Get your butt over here. <laughs> so like he's he's been working all week on X feature, right? And basically what 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 you do is uh, you create a collection inside of Abstract which is a selection of artboards that you want to focus on uh, out of a out of a file or out of multiple files. And then um, you can start a review around that collection. And what we did is we, we, we did sit in a room, as always, put it up on a screen, we have a, the group of us there, including the engineer that's going to be responsible for implementing it, and work through, the, work through the collection one by one. And then as we're going through it, we're annotating and leaving notes and comments um, as we're discussing it, basically. So we kind of get the best of both worlds, right? You're both having this in-person discussion and and back and forth on what the best solution might be, how mm-hmm. we can iterate on this, but then also like very quickly um, writing that down and having it there for the rest of the team to see. How much of that was influenced by your experience as a software engineer and like going through code reviews historically and having that process be maybe more mature than a design review process? Yeah, I, it's definitely influence. Absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, abstract is like the whole the, product. Is the whole product. It, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I mean, the Git model committing. That's uh, where it came Version from. control. And, yeah. Uh, CTO Kevin, he's like kind of came up with the idea. Um, he isn't shy about saying that, right? It was all about him and Josh chatting. And they were just like, wow, you're trying to fix Josh. I get <laughs> yeah, it. Your, your design tools suck. He was basically mm-hmm. like the, the sentiment, right? Like, um, how can we make it more like engineering? <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. this is this is too loose. The tools for engineering are awesome comparatively. Right, right. So that's so it's it's absolutely influenced by that. Um, one of the things that we do on GitHub pull requests on our engineering team is we have this like concept of uh, like the meat, and we literally just like especially if it's a large pull request that's like five hundred lines or a thousand lines or whatever. Okay, I know those are small for you guys, but <laughs> no, wow, <laughs> we've made small a, for Brian. We made some dumb pull requests. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's let's say it's thousands of lines of code. We just like the the author of it will go through and literally leave the meat emoji as a comment, 
and like, hey, this is where you need to look more very specifically. Um, this is where the important stuff is. Huh. Um, so you just have meat emojis littered all throughout the code right, base. Right, right. Useful. And I think that's what, in, in, in abstract, that's kind of ends up being what collections are. It's the author of the, the work going through and pulling out these are the really important things. Like, sure, like some symbols changed. Sure, some some. It's a, this this artboard was edited because this color changed. But the important thing is the color changed, right? Um, for example, I see. Uh, how do you think about when those parallels should not be the same? Like, where does it differ? I guess. Like, okay, so we found this parallel between the meat of the thing. Mm -hmm. I guess. Like, do you find yourself going down a path of becoming so caught in this like programming metaphor that we've missed something that designers do that should have its totally separate branch of process and, and thought behind it, I guess? That makes sense. It does make sense. It's it's a really good question. I think so far we've being pleasantly surprised at the amount of parallels that work really well. Right. Um, one of the early questions with the product was how much of the terminology are we going to take on board? Mm -hmm. um, we fought with this at Figma too when we were determining like the team library stuff because I wanted to do like commit and pull and push and we ended up right. not doing that. But like even those terms is like, are these too technical? Right, right. And we don't actually... actually We'd actually use pull and push in, in abstract okay. either. That's kind of obfuscated away. Yeah. Um, but there was an early version that had pull and push in it. Mm -hmm. um, and we decided to stay with commit and branch. And the main reason was to make communication between designers and engineers more fluid. Like if we're if we're calling a branch Is branch a verb or a noun? There. Like, it, are you describing a branch that exists or branching from? It's both. Okay. <laughs> you don't use, like, fork or something? Um, we don't use fork, no. Okay. I think a fork is a GitHub invention. Maybe. I have no idea. Would refer just to, like, forking an entire repository. Yeah, mm. Just copy. Yeah. Um, we, we may use that down the line. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Spoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just like if we're calling things a workspace and then mm. engineers are calling it a branch. Yeah. It, like, is, is that is that helping matters or are we just hindering things yeah. at that point? Especially as you're working on products called developer handoff. Right, <laughs> like, right. We probably have that. We want this, yeah. I mean, the whole, the idea is not just the designer will can be in here, right? Like product managers will be in here, engineers will be in here, other stakeholders, the marketing team could be versioning their marketing assets in here. Like, we want it to be as understandable for as many people as possible. Um, if that means reusing language story exists, then that's the smart thing to do, right? On the the product, the comma product part of your title, I'm really interested in how you think about when something's ready to be released. Because obviously startups have different set of constraints. You want to like validate ideas quickly, but you also don't want to ship something that's shit. How do you think about like this thing's ready or not uh, for people to use. So obviously you're beta testing stuff and mm -hmm. it seems like a, a strategy there. Right, but, right. But how do you know when something's ready? Personally, I definitely sway on the side of releasing early and often still <laughs> from 
my startup experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was definitely the the buffer way to do things back in the day. Yeah, and I I still believe in that. But we also want to ensure that the quality is there, that there are no bugs that we that we're aware of. <laughs> right. Um, and I kind of hinted earlier with like the phasing of developer handoff, a kind of a way to it that we achieve that, right? Like we have this, this, this grand vision of what, what we want that to be in. How can we, spl- what's the, like the, the, the chunks that we can split that up into that will still provide value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, so I think we've got to the smallest chunk we can that will still provide value. Like if we'd release, if we release developer handoff and it doesn't, have colors in there or it doesn't have the ability to measure it's fine (laughs) (laughs) ship it i think that would disappoint a lot of people (laughs) they're like what is this what are you guys doing Ah, so the least you you didn't understand the problem right you you try and find the least disappointing version of the product (laughs) and then ship that (laughs) um it's it's, it's kind of a, a the negative way of saying it but i think that's kind of true right minimum like, viable slash least uh disappointing right <laughs> and the positive way of saying that would be like the minimum lovable right yeah, like yeah that's yeah. the thing that's used right the minimum yeah. lovable Aww. product that's yeah. cute yeah like, yeah that's not the thing i've never heard that before really yeah yeah i, I think so, people I, I think were more of a pushing back against minimum viable they're like yeah it's viable it works but it's shit or like it doesn't feel good right it's like mm-hmm. make right. it lovable where it works but it feels good to use i guess exactly yeah, yeah. it's got to have a little bit of polish on that mm-hmm. a little bit of love a little bit of love yeah yeah so we want to get it to that point mm-hmm. where it's got a little bit of love we've tested it it's bug free it's useful to at least a subset of users right yeah. uh, it's not everything we want it to be mm-hmm. but we can get it out there and start learning basically it's like you say we're still a startup yeah i'm curious how how designers can think about getting to like a bug free design like how to, how to think uh sort of can you just solve designers for us programmatically Is that I think what about, asking no like there's there's all these tools we have to help at least try and help catch edge cases or run automated suites of tests against all sorts of flows permission checks this that and the other i feel like for engineering for engineering I don't know. I'm There's just, also linting and I'm just sort of going off the top of my head. Like, yeah, where can like we where can we go for for designers to like? Oh, you've designed this nice flow, but mm-hmm. this will break in right to left languages, or this will break as soon as the screen sizes this, or these this particular component isn't iOS nine friendly. I don't know. Right, right. Like no, no. You, it's it's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> can you solve it? Tom. Can you just <laughs> fix everything, Tom? It's no, no. <laughs> but the um, I, I like the thought path there, right? Like, I think the the way we're solving it right now is just by having more and more checklists. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, in as part of the product design process, mm-hmm. um, checklists are. Can you share what that checklist is? Or like the it's, the key things. Yeah, it. I mean, it's, I I don't know. It's still like definitely evolving. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but like one of the things that so abstract is a little unique in that the way that the data is shared, it's kind of distributed. Um, like you have a copy of the projects, and there's a copy of the project on the server, and we synchronize that, right? So there's a lot of uh, edge cases from an engineering point of view 
um, where you might not have the data. Um, it might be in the middle of syncing. Um, somebody might uh, comment on something that, like, say, you, you haven't had synced to your yeah. local version yet, things like that. Um, and in the design process, we did find that what, what we found is that we were kind of missing some of these um, some of these aspects, right? Some of these edge cases, the fourth dimension of the product, like how it's all right having static mockups, mm-hmm. but um, that's that's just presenting that doesn't describe one how scenario, it yeah, right? Like this this one screen can be in ten different scenarios, like you were saying, like um, there might there's there's the classic empty state, but then there's the empty state and you don't have permission. There's the empty state and the things downloading, like things happening in different orders than you might expect. All those types of things are definitely something that affects our product particularly. So trying to make sure that that we have a list together where we're like, okay, did you, did we like say, did we think about the mobile view? Did we think about offline scenarios? Did we think about things happening in different orders? Those, those types of things. Right. Um, I don't have the list in my head to go through God it. What the hell, Tom? Tom? You didn't bring it? I asked you to bring specifically that. I, was there a list of materials? Yes. For, for the podcast? Yes. Uh, good time to move on to something <laughs> else. <laughs> uh, I want to dig into this storied startup background because you've done a bunch of startups, uh, but it might be helpful to understand how how you even got into startups in the first place. So, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm from England. Okay. If, in case you hadn't gathered that. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know how obvious <laughs> thought, it is anymore. I thought that was a, like a fairly obvious Northern California accent. Yeah, I mean, I've been in California yeah. over six years, so I, I, in my mind, it's gone. <laughs> Well, and when I go home at Christmas, my friends are like, "You sound so American. This oh, is not the sidewalk." Interesting. And it's Weird. definitely not a tomato. Tomato. Wait, what do you say? Call sidewalks. The pavement. What? What do you call streets? The road. What the fuck? <laughs> Roads are pavement too. Uh, yeah. Prince. Language man. <laughs> so you're from England? Yeah. What from part? like the middle, the Midlands, not Nottingham. Okay. So as far as English accents go, it's pretty neutral, nice. I think. Did you consider going to work for Robinhood? Wait, what? The the startup? Nottingham? Sheriff Sheriff Nottingham? Oh. Robinhood? Oh, I thought nope. you were talking about the, the MBD. investment app. I was. That, oh. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a Irony. Big, I'm a big user of this. this uh, and I, I like how they've taken it on into their brand. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, I don't think they were around. Anyway. They weren't around when you were born? Well, when I was born, yeah. <laughs> but when I first came here. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I grew up in Nottingham, went to university in Sheffield, which is like two hours away. Yeah. Um, what were you studying? Uh, I studied architectural technology. What's that? Concrete, pavement. <laughs> <laughs> how, do yeah. we, how do we call Wood. sidewalks? <laughs> it's like, so for... So like the 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 one that that everybody wants to do is architecture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everybody for sure. I mean, it's, <laughs> we've okay. had a lot of guests who were like, "I went to school for architecture." I mean, maybe that was the wrong way of putting it, but it's the uh, it's one of those professions that from the outside is like, "Ooh, architecture!" Like, I want to design skyscrapers, right? Yeah, um, and that course, the course in most universities for that is is very arty. Hmm. It's very art driven. Um, Whereas, I don't know, I was always more interested in science and technology aspect 
And suddenly, like, the reason that I decided to go and do that at university was because I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk. And I, some, for some reason... Oh, how far you've come. ...thought that <laughs> that would enable that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, are outside. <laughs> I was so wrong. Yeah, I think that was my logic. I mean, that's a 16 year old for I'll you. I'll be walking around yeah. the streets just touching concrete, you know. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to be on site, like yeah. helping the crane. I don't know. I didn't like it. Doesn't, in hindsight, it makes no sense. But helping I rem- the crane man move the architecture technology to <laughs> I its right that place. being part of the logic. I was like, computer job, you're just going to be behind a desk in a fluorescent lit office. Like, honestly, that was, that was sure. the vision I had of working at a computer like this depressing uh, fluorescent (laughs) lighting and gray office booths. Yeah. And I just didn't want that, right? How far you've come? Open floor plan instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now you get the same thing, but no, no cubicles. So I, I don't know. I ended up doing that. And, but whilst I was, whilst I was at uh, university, I was building websites still. Yeah. um, Both as like side projects and to make a little money. Yeah. Um, building games. I built like an Android game. And what was the game? Oh man, it was called Fish Food. Okay, it was kind of like Bejeweled actually. Okay, it was like a swipey thing. Yeah, there was small fish and big fish, and you had to swipe the big fish to eat the small fish yeah, and get yeah. patterns and combos. It was pretty good. I had a lot of people liked it, but then like they brought out ten different size of Android screens and I didn't update it and eventually it stopped working. You're like, I ain't got time for this. <laughs> and also it was the one and only time I've ever written Java in my entire life. Yeah. And it was not good code. <laughs> it was like it was it was very poor. Okay. What um, was the, the that was all just for fun or did you think I, I could be a game developer and that oh, could yeah, be that a, went through my mind. That could be yeah. a lifestyle. I, I applied. Yeah. I actually applied to a bunch of game companies to to work as a game developer. Mm-hmm. Not a single one got back to me. I guess probably because I didn't have any sort of computing. Uh, they saw your Java code and were like, "Ugh, this guy." I didn't have any computing background at all at that point. All right, so I was like, "Hey, here's my side project," and I guess that wasn't of any interest. All this was self-taught. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And I, um, I mean, I started coding when I was like fourteen. Yeah, thirteen, something like that. Um, mostly making games and websites. So just like, it was just a means to an end for me. Always has been. I'm not like in it for the, for the language and the, 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 the joy of code as much as like, I'm in it for the joy of making the product. Hmm. And like, if that coding is the way that I'm going to get there fastest, then that's what I'll do. Uh, and it always has been, right? Like if you can code, you can, you can turn something from idea to reality so fast. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I was making, uh, making games and things and, Worked at an architect's for a couple of years. Um, there I was mainly uh, mainly doing 3D modeling at the end of the day, to be honest. Mm. Were you sitting behind a desk? In and a I cu- was sitting behind a desk in, in a, a cubicle. Oh, office, no. You know? I occasionally got to go out on site, which was nice. I, I, man, I distinctly remember. It was, it was like the greatest thing to go out on site because you'd get like the company would pay for lunch. Yeah. That was the big win? That's the company big would win. pay for lunch? Yeah. yeah. All right. You get like a, a sandwich. Oh, that from sick! <laughs> like, from like the motorway service station. I'm like, yes, I didn't pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid company. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really know what happened, but one, I don't remember what kind of flicked it in my mind, what triggered it. But at some point, I was just like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. There's the the career path was very torturous. 
Um, and it was obvious it was going to take maybe decades to get anywhere in that industry. It's very slow moving, a lot of ass kissing, um, very old fashioned, you know. Um, I just thought I, I really enjoy coding. I'm just going to try doing that for a living and applied to a bunch of places in the in the local in the city. Yeah. Got a job at a, an agency there uh, just based on like this stuff I'd, I'd done on, on the side, you know, mm -hmm. eventually. What kind of work did they have you doing? So it was, it was mainly building startups for other people. What? Yeah. Like, so the agency is in the North of England and we had like one or two clients that were, were mainly in London and they had money and ideas. And we were just like, Hey, we got this idea for, um, one of them was like, um, a video chat site where you could, uh, provide mentorship. Hmm. Um, I guess it's kind of like Russian roulette. Chat roulette? <laughs> Is that what you're describing? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yes. Except it was paid. So And you didn't have a chance of killing yourself. <laughs> I don't know why. Wait, is chat roulette a Russian company? Not that I know of. Fuck, I don't know why I have those mixed up in my head. I feel like that's one of those companies where it's very ambiguous about where it is. Yeah. For good reason. Probably for a good reason. Um Yeah, so they would like we'd have these these guys would come to us with like with an idea and we'd build the idea in like three months, right? Interesting. Uh, There's a lot of that type of stuff. And then I think after working there for a couple of years, I was like, why am I building other people's ideas? I have ideas. What <laughs> right? ideas like, did you have? I have the skills. Like, what ideas did I have? I have ideas. Listen <laughs> I didn't to have good ideas at the time. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> did you, what were, what was going on in your mind? You're like, I uh, can solve what kind of problem? I, I don't, I don't know that I had specific, I, but I was, I, I think I was, I started listening to like this week in tech mm -hmm. and, uh, whatever Jason Kalkanis's uh, podcast was called. I don't know. Um, this Week in Startups. Twist. Yeah, Twist. This yeah. Week in Startups. At the time, I was listening to that and it kind of energized me, you know, into thinking mm -hmm. that maybe there's another way here. And I started going to, um, the, there was only one startup meetup in the city um, at the time. And I, th I think it was actually Joel, uh, Joel Gascoigne, the founder of Buffer, that had started it. Hmm. Um, I can't remember if he started or we met there, but it was very small. There was probably only like 10 people that turned up. Um, and that's, that's where I met Joel because mm -hmm. um, his parents lived in the city I happened to go to university in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, I guess we, we just kind of clicked. We were like the only two people there that were thinking the same. And like, yeah, we just, we, we, we were just really thinking the same at the time. And we, we, we were outside of this, employee mentality at that point i think we we'd, we'd escaped that <laughs> hmm. so when he when he started working on the idea for buffer and at the time it was just like a, a chrome extension right where you could um select a bit of text on a page and and send it to a cron job that tweet it later um it was very very simple um i was just kept in touch with him like every couple of months i'd like check in you know How's that cron job running? How's the cron job? Yeah. You need some help with that. That's uh, basically how it came down to. I wonder if it's still the same cron job. Cause I know when I was there, it was like the same one, maybe with like minor bug fixes, but like kind of the same one. I think it's probably still a cron job behind the scenes. Something oh, has totally. to trigger every yeah, yeah. minute, right? Yeah, like it's just like cron job is still the best way to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, it doesn't run inline PHP to send the tweets anymore. <laughs> 
It's a good start. It wasn't one, it's not one file now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that only lasted for the first way too long. <laughs> uh so when you, when you're keeping in touch at, at that point, were you like, this is something I'd be interested in working on? Or you were just keeping in touch just because you had a connection? Um, yeah, mainly just because, yeah, we had a connection and we were thinking alike. I think he, he was living in Birmingham. He moved to Birmingham and visited him there. And um, we went to some like hack days, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then at, at some point, uh, he, he, uh, he came over to America and, got into AngelPad, applied to AngelPad um, at the time. And I, I I think I actually happened to email him within a week or two of um, before that happened, uh, basically. And I was I was like, hey, what, what, how's it going? It looks like it's going well, you know? And he was like, I'm in America. We're, we're trying to get into us to a, to a, to a, uh, an accelerator. Yeah. And then as soon as they got in, they basically had a little money and we all and I just joined and we all went out there. How did yeah, you join? Out here. You said, I, I want to work on this too? Or Joel said, you've pestered me enough. Do you want to just come work I on this? Rem- I can't, you know, I honestly can't remember. Maybe Joel would remember. Yeah. Um, I'll maybe he's got more important things in his mind now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, but I think it's just one of those things like it just made sense. Hmm. And I was happy to quit my job the next day. And so at that point, it was you, Joel, and Leo. Yeah. Did they give you free sandwiches? We got so many free sandwiches. <laughs> Good. I just want to make sure you got your one perk that you cared about. Right, yeah. right. It's like, so it's what, what are you expecting sandwiches. for Sally? I don't care. Just give me my lunch every day. It can I'll be from so the happy. Speedway station or whatever. Yeah. It is still the, the ultimate Silicon Valley perk, let's be honest. It is. Free lunch. Free lunch. Who doesn't like a free lunch? Nobody. I just go to everyone's offices around here and eat their free lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's that, a great perk for that's me. That's not a bad strategy, honestly. Just make friends at all the startups and you're good. Rotate weekly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how's you're it suddenly, going? You're suddenly What's a on better the lunch menu today? <laughs> who like stays in touch more, but then also food. Free lunch. And if you go to the bigger companies, they have breakfast free dinner and dinner too. too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So you quit your job. Did you move to the U.S. right away? Yeah. Scary? No, I don't. It, it wasn't scary. No. Is that H-1B visa? We didn't have any visas at that point. So it was just like, Esther, three months, see what happens. We were trying to get visas. But I think just due to the time that the the accelerator mm-hmm. money came in and that stuff happened, it was, it was after the H-1B season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were... We had three months and then we had to leave again, basically. Mm. <laughs> did, did people think you were crazy? Like, hey, Tom, you, you have a job. You go on offsites and get a free sandwich every now and then. <laughs> and you're quitting your job to join this startup and the same time leaving the country without a visa. Um, my family was very supportive. Hmm. Always have been. Um, so very privileged in that respect, right? Like, and... I, you always have that as a fallback, um, or I always had that as a fallback. I should say, if if everything had gone tits up, I could, yeah, I could always go back to my parents' house, right? It's yeah. not something I ever wanted to do, and I hadn't been living there for like five years at that point. But it's for me, it was always a fallback, so that's really helpful. Um, like I say, they were very supportive, but 
I think there was some friends that were, I think it was more like jealousy than um, like, oh man, I wish, wish I could have done that. Right. Like yeah. that type of attitude than, than thinking you were crazy. And personally, I, it didn't feel like that big of a risk. Um, it felt like a bit of an adventure. Like, oh, this is an opportunity to have a bit of an adventure. And at that point, what, was Buffer uh, bringing in revenue? Was like, had had it been de-risked in that sense, or were you coming in to figure that kind of stuff out? Um, it had been de-risked a little bit. I think it was making maybe like it was making a few thousand dollars. Um, it was not making enough to pay for us to yeah. be anywhere. Um, but it was definitely making money um, in terms of how startups go. Like Buffer made money before most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very like bootstrapped and yeah. yeah, super lean. He, like had like a pricing page up before they had billing code, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Eric Le- Eric uh, Risa approach. Yeah. So there, there was money coming in, yeah, but not enough to pay for our apartment in Russian Hill. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that we lived in. Yeah. So you made it over, and and what did it do? I, I think that the, those early days of startups are super interesting because there's so much you can build, and it's like a small project. Like mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of stuff to break. But how do you decide on what to build and in what order? And I guess how did the three of you go about deciding how that was going to work? It's tough to remember, but I do know the first thing we worked on was Facebook mm-hmm. support. And that kind of drove a lot of technical decisions at the time and for better or worse we moved over to mongodb (laughs) um because we were like ah (laughs) schemaless that sounds nice that's what we need if we're going to support lots of different social networks and each one has its own posting types um then a schemaless database kind of starts seems like it was make sense Mm -hmm. um i don't know what the technical team there would now would say about that decision um in the short term I think it proved to be a really bad decision. <laughs> so even then, <laughs> <laughs> because we uh, it was we had a lot of trouble keeping it up. Yeah, it was a very it was very fragile. It was the most fragile part of our architecture, and we had a lot of downtime because of it. To be honest, um, and it got very big very fast. Our database got very big very fast, and kind of the scaling and sharding aspects of of Mongo were kind of rough at that yeah. point in time. It yeah. was still honestly a very young technology. Um, this was what, 2010? Uh, I think 12. 2012. 2011, 2012. You know, I hear using the newest things are always like, it's always the best way to build a company. <laughs> Use newest the newest, tools cutting edge every shit, time. And you'll be just fine. <laughs> we were young and naive. Yes. Um, which is both what so we need tools. to be <laughs> yeah. to do these crazy things and also like, how you result in making lots of dumb mistakes, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we worked on Facebook support um, because we wanted to grow and yeah. we wanted to make more money. Yeah, And that's how we made product decisions, right? <laughs> like, what's going to bring in more money? That's, uh, uh, it sounds so logical. Yeah. But not all startups do that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, so what next? Well, our three months ran out. Yeah. So we, none of us wanted to go back to our parents' house. I mean, we're like startup founders now, right? Big boys. We have money in the bank. Yeah. Got VCs. So we, uh, so we went to Hong Kong instead and lived there. Yeah. <laughs> for six months. Yeah. 
and we had to do a hop there because we also had a three-month limit. So it's like we went to went to Tokyo for a week and came back. <laughs> nice. Um, was it at this point where your expectations of startup life, like you kind of wanted this, right? Oh, yeah. Were expectations this meeting? Adventure, real- right? Yeah, this is I it. I was like, okay, this is, it, it was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so we, so we were there for, so I really liked Hong Kong. Um, would highly recommend if people, <laughs> if listeners haven't been there. Uh, amazing city. The transport. Ooh. Yeah. Integrated payment systems. That's the stuff of a modern city. <laughs> that's that's what convinces me to travel anywhere these days. That's the dream. Do they, have, payment? do they have integrated payment systems? Yeah. Have you been to London recently? No. They have I've been to Heathrow one time. The um, all of the all of the underground in London uses um, NFC payments now, so you can just tap your phone on the gates as you go through to pay. It's like being in the future, but now. But now <laughs> we are in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then your, your visa in Hong Kong right now. Yeah. The second then we don't have the time in the Hong second Kong. time. Yeah. And, uh, we went to Israel. Yep. We went to Tel Aviv. We yep. were just spinning the map at this point. That's, cr- yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, where's, where's the startup city? Yeah. It was, that was like kind of the, where can we go meet like minded people? Um, and Tel Aviv was kind of up there. Had great beaches, mm-hmm. great weather. So we went there for three months. Uh, met a lot of cool people and so many of those people live here now which, in San Francisco which is I didn't realize then that there was such a direct line between mm-hmm. uh, Israel and Silicon Valley I mean I'm sure a lot of people are well aware of that now but yeah. uh, it was news to me um, and then eventually we did get H1B visas and I think that was so that covered like nine months right and we we were able to come back into the uh uh, into America and, and be here for a little while. Nice. Um, how long did you work on Buffer? How long? Like a year and a half. Yeah. 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 We were growing fast. We uh, started started hiring folks and we were making enough money to hire folks at that point. Um, and I think like you joined Buffer not too long after I left. Mm-hmm. He could have been your vice principal. <laughs> think about it tom think about it the, the life that could have been yeah i joined uh part-time spring of 2013 okay yeah so i, I guess i left in like the beginning of 2013 yeah like february or january february something like that yeah uh to do what um at that point i didn't know but um one thing that had become clear in the time that we were traveling and we still had to hire people we were, while we were traveling. So we hired like support people mm-hmm. and we hired another engineer and we hired an iOS engineer who was based in England. Yep. Um, Andy. Andy, mm-hmm. of yep. course. Who's still there. Who's still, still a buffer. Just cranking, like yeah. just doing the still iOS Still the stuff. main iOS guy. Yeah. Um, the like communication was kind of an issue um, for remote teams. We were using Skype um, for most chat at that point, for all chat and calling communication. Um, HipChat was around, uh, but I don't think it was terribly good, even back then. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it didn't, cons- <laughs> it didn't. We didn't consider using it. I'm not sure why. So yeah, we were mostly over Skype and GChat and things like that, um, and emails and. 
uh, I decided after a, a little time off to to kind of pursue that line of thinking um, and try and make a communication tool that would uh, be designed for remote teams yeah and enable remote teams to to be able to work together and feel as if they're in the same room yeah yeah so as we started a company called squiggle uh-huh uh, with a couple of guys that I, I met here in San Francisco yeah and we used squiggle and then buffer ended up using yeah. squiggle yeah so you're probably aware of its its pros and its cons it was awesome <laughs> it was so good it was so good <laughs> Uh, well, I remember, nice and like, there was a lot of mocks of like, how can we get like a little chat head style, uh, like just one click to, to yeah. click on this person and just start a chat. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So that that was the, for anyone that doesn't know, probably play most people, that was the main idea of it. Yeah. That you, the idea was the, in a remote team, the communication is hard because there's a lot of friction. Um, you like, you don't know if people are there, you don't know if they're working, you don't know if they want to talk. And then you have time zones and all that type of stuff. And so we wanted to make a tool where we reduced that friction down as much as possible, both by enabling you to see if people were there, see what the status they were in, um, and then make the actual process of talking to that person as fast as possible, yeah. so as close to being in the same room. So we, we like kind of made this, this app where it was a, a grid of faces, and it's taking pictures of you every minute uh -huh. to, to achieve that grid of faces. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then you can click on anybody's picture and it starts a video call within a second or two yeah. instead of having to dial them and have them accept and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm sure you can imagine what the, <laughs> the pros and cons of such a product are. Uh, yeah, there were times when I was very nervous that I'd left my screen open while I was like showering or something. Right. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, did I have squiggle open in the background? <laughs> There was definitely the odd like girlfriend or wife in the background yeah. type scenario yeah. that came out of it. Sure. But less than we imagined when we were building it. Sure. That was our biggest worry, to yeah. be honest. Like nipples on display, that type yeah. of thing, you know. Uh turns out the gr bright green light on a MacBook is pretty bright and hard to miss. Yeah. Um So yeah, we worked on that for two years and it was about the time Slack came out during that time and we had a lot of problems. The, the, the product, um, I think like technically our team wasn't solid enough. We hmm. didn't, we didn't manage to hire the right people, um, to help build it because we were all new in the Valley. We didn't have the connections and we just were unable to hire the expertise we needed. So we were kind of muddling through trying our best. And so we had a lot of, of issues with call quality and stuff like that. Um, particularly like it's designed for remote teams, right? So we had like somebody in Asia, somebody here, somebody in Europe, and they're all trying to put a call together and we, we hit every edge case possible and it was very difficult for our team to, to resolve that. So, so the bugginess was a problem yeah. for the product. And then also, like I say, Slack came out and that kind of new wave of collaboration tools began um, that were basically text-based. Yeah. And I think what we missed was the, for most people, text chat was enough. Um, and because it was like a team product, if one person was not a fan of it, so you have like one engineer that's like 
the grumpy guy, right? That's like eating Cheetos, whatever. Yeah, that, this that, would be principal you, software. This that, would that be cliche. This would be you. Yeah, yeah. Well, not in this case, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe typically. Maybe me. Um, and they're like, I don't want to be on this. I don't want the camera on me. It's uncomfortable. Like, I just want to do my work. And that would you'd lose an entire team because of that, right? Right? Because if one person is not it, then you can't communicate with that person. Or you end up using two tools, and Which then defeats all point. eventually you end up losing that team. Right. So, kind of uh, that that was that was an issue too. Uh, this was like your first thing that you did for yourself, right? First startup. Yeah. Yeah. Did that meet your expectations? Like, I, I get that at Buffer you were super early, and and it was just the three of you. But this was the thing that you started, and got the whole startup experience of hiring and growing the team and building the product and then eventually obviously shutting it down. Um, I mean, in that respect, it met expectations. <laughs> My startup <laughs> shut down, right? <laughs> I don't know that I had expectations other than that there was a problem that we were going to try and solve. Um, I guess you, you hope for the best and you expect it to go better than it does usually. Sure. Um, or in this case... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. In, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If you could go back and, and change one approach, you mentioned the hiring was definitely a problem. Uh, any other things you would have done differently if you could sort of rewind the squiggle timeline? I still don't know what the solution to the problem is, but the problem still exists. I honestly, like, I still get emails all the time from people that are trying to solve the problem. Um, and if I knew what I would do differently, I would probably go and do it again and <laughs> still try and solve it. Um, but, pe- but people do get in touch with me all the time that are trying to solve this. Like they're, they're building similar things or sometimes like exactly the same thing again, or they're trying different different approaches to it. But there's still a real need out there. And a lot of remote folks feel very disconnected, um, even with the likes of Slack and uh, HipChat. Mm-hmm. I look forward to the problem being solved. I think it might take like, VR or something to achieve like hmm. a really good VR solution hmm. where you can literally be in a virtual office so Oasis you, style yeah so you go into work you put on your headset and then you're programming in VR like you have a VR computer yeah but you're infinite about. monitor size infinite, infinite monitor, monitor size. Or like AR right like you could uh, you, you have your normal computer in front of mm-hmm. you but then you could have like little virtual versions of, of your colleagues mm-hmm. like on your desk <laughs> Yeah, that'd be hilarious, <laughs> right? Like they could just be sat there on your desk, and you could just like and tap then you can squish them when you you're can tap on one, and then like you get a like an Bling. audio line yeah. with them. I don't know, like, but I think that's it's gonna take like maybe like you have to tap their shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, and then everyone hates you. Yeah, how enjoyable would that be though? That'd be like really <laughs> nice experience. Um, I think it's gonna take something like that, some kind of paradigm shift in the way we're computing to to really really solve that problem. And we tried what we we could with the technology that was available, um, and a lot of people enjoyed it, but yeah, not quite enough. And so after two years, things shut down. What next? Well, we did try one other. We did pivot a little bit, and we did a product called Speak. Oh yeah, you remember that? Uh, I don't know that I ever used it though. I mean, it this was, was similar. This was the chat head thing. That was the chat head. Whereas, thing. like the circles of of your. People and you, yeah. not video, you just click on them and it'd open up audio line. 
So actually, yeah. So remember, sorry, I'm of, explaining. It for you. In terms of doing things differently, we were like, oh, okay, so people don't want the camera on. Yeah, yeah. Like the camera's an issue. Let's let's focus on audio. So we had people's avatars, and you could click on their avatars to get an audio line, um, and then you could upgrade that into a video experience, which it, I still think was a better, yeah, a better solution. Um, but at that point, we 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 were kind of low on money, and we was like us flailing in the water a little bit. I think. Um, too little, too late. So, so we tried that and ended up ended up closing it down. Yeah, um, and that's when I started looking for for other opportunities here and interviewed at a bunch of places. Uh, but I really wanted to join another startup. Yeah, and that's when I met the the abstract folks. It seems like up until that point you had this long running experience of remote work. Did you want to continue that, or were you open to like settling down in a city and having an office and all this kind of stuff? Um, I wanted it to be an option. Yeah, for sure. And abstract is, is at least more than half of the folks at abstract are a remote team and it's very remote friendly. And it was from day one as well. I said like, Hey, if I join, I'm probably going to work remote from random places every now and then you've got to, you guys are going to be happy with that, right? That's not going to be a problem as long as I'm doing the work. That's not going to be a problem, right, (laughs) Kevin? (laughs) As long as I'm doing the work, that's not a problem, right? And they were... They were fine with that, and then you know, so yeah, we grow and we our VP is based in like in Carolina. Yeah, um, I always forget which one. Sorry, yeah. Alan. God damn it, um, Alan, the good one. I don't know which one that is. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's from South Carolina. In which case, Alan's from South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> um, is that the good one? No. no. <laughs> Wait, there's a good one. North Carolina is the good one. <laughs> Okay, no more on that front. Because <laughs> I, I, really, I think we're all digging ourselves and into I'm really not sure which point. one they're yeah. from either. What um, was it about Abstract though? So obviously they were cool with the remote stuff, but like why was this, was it the product? Like, oh, I believe in that problem. It was, or was the problem, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely believed and had seen firsthand working on Squiggle mainly the, the problem of um, communicating the design process. And we didn't have a big team. It was just my co-founder that was doing the design. Um, but even just that, right? Like he would disappear for days on end and like, I wouldn't have any, um, insight into the process. The worst kind of designer disappears into a hole. I I feel like, I don't know if that's, is that a typical designer? I don't know. No, it's no. a stereotype though. Okay. Um, and I, I guess I just, I'd seen that problem of not having the insight and you, He'd, he'd come back with designs and like I might suggest something like oh yeah I tried that but I hadn't seen them try mm-hmm. that right like and um, I really felt the need for a little bit more transparency and in the design process mm-hmm. I think that's what that really hooked me in um, and I and I just I really enjoyed that idea and kind of building building a platform around that made a, a lot of sense to me um, were you all burned out on startups like was there thought of going uh, startup to startup to startup to startup sounds pretty rough in I, many cases. I don't know. I mean, I think that clicks with some people, but did yeah. you have the thought like, ah, oh, fuck, I could just go to a Google and like oh, just well, do that. I interviewed at a, like Twitter and Dropbox and a bunch of big places. I see. So you were open to it until I interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and then like, like well, I interviewed at Twitter and they're like, oh, you can, you want to come and you'd be, you'd be on the advertising team. Yeah, and I'm like, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. What? Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm like, it's just the things they were working on just didn't seem hmm. as interesting, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it seemed like something I could be passionate about. And I wanted to feel like I uh, had ownership over the idea and the product, uh, you know, um, and, and the company, frankly, right? Like be early enough to have, you know, once you've, once you've done two startups and you've got equity in each of them, I didn't want to go somewhere and not have equity. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also a, a, a factor. Sure. So abstract it was. Yeah. And Tim Van Damme was working there, which honestly was a big draw as well. Really? Yeah. Tim's great. Why? Well, like, what well, had you seen him like followed his work or yeah, just conversations yeah. with him? He he illuminated you in some way with insight? He was already, actually, I, you know, I didn't speak to him too much before I joined, yeah. but um, he was already well known at that point, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Came from. So were Josh and Kevin to some degree. Tim's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Kevin, funnily enough, had built a, uh, I don't know if you know this, Kevin had built a Twitter app back in the day called Ren, mm-hmm. a desktop app. Yeah. And which had buffer integration. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. And that kind of came out later that like I guess we small world. at some point. <laughs> wow. Huh. Uh well, when he was integrating very that. small world. Yeah, small world, exactly. Yeah. Um and you know, I, I didn't know Josh before, but the whole team was like just seemed like this top caliber team mm-hmm. that was what after like being kind of isolated in Silicon Valley, I think, with the previous company. Like, we didn't really know anybody, like I say. Mm. And it, it seemed like that opportunity to um, join people that knew what they were doing mm. and, and learn again, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, I, I learned a lot, like, obviously running our, our, my own company, but was I don't know if I was learning the right things. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. maybe, like, joining a company where there's people that are a little bit more experienced, a little bit more chore, like, uh, well-known top-tier people. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can grow here, right? Like, this is an exciting problem, and I can grow. Well, there's something that's interesting to me with abstract and squiggle and speak, and it's that they're all like collaborative tools, collaborative communication. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Remote friendly. And I recently got into your new project, which is Outline. Yeah. Can you talk a little more about that and what that is? Yeah. So like. And, out- do your bosses know that you have a side project? <laughs> this is the grand we'll reveal. This we'll, is the big reveal. We'll just, we'll just whisper the whole time. Hope it's cool. <laughs> um, they are well aware. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured. Um, yeah, Outline is um, just a little a project that me and another guy called Jory, who works at... Jory Lalo? Yeah, he works at Coinbase. Um, I've been working on for uh, at least a year now. Way too long. <laughs> well, it's a most of that's just getting slate working, right? <laughs> it's um. So for context, it's a it's a knowledge base. It's a wiki for for teams to uh, record their uh, their knowledge. <laughs> huh. huh? Who'd have thought a knowledge base would be for that? Yeah. Um. And it's open source. And we feel like it's another one of those problems that still isn't solved, even though a lot of people are trying and a lot of people have tried. My problem is that so many people are trying it that I try them all. And thus my our, our, Your documents, are our documents are everywhere. It's like, oh, I want to try this uh, new thing. I want to try Notion. I want to try Airtable. I want to try It is the whole, paper. it's like creating a new standard, right? Like, yeah. There's too many standards. We need a new standard. Yeah. So... Uh, Notion is great. Standards. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we 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 felt like a lot of the tools, particularly when we started, like a year and a half ago or whatever, weren't doing a good enough job. And a lot of the tools that were doing a really good job um, kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, so like Canvas mm-hmm. uh, being a good example was a great product. Yep. Uh, really nice, integrated with Slack. Uh, the GitHub integration was amazing. Yeah, excellent editor. Mm-hmm. Like the way they did embeds, just just cool. Like, yeah. And then it disappeared because they were VC funded and for whatever reason, like the, the financials didn't work out or they mm-hmm. ran out of money. I, didn't, I don't know the specifics. Um, and that they're not the only one. Mm-hmm. That's happened to a number of these products. Um, and it's not because the problem isn't doesn't exist. It's just when we kind of thought like maybe, maybe it's just a slow grower. You know, mm-hmm. maybe this business type of business is a bit of a slow grower, right? And um, an angle that we could take on it is to to open source it. Um, we were actually looking at Sentry uh, as an example. There. We used them as a significant model when we went to open source. Yeah, as well. we like. I love Sentry. I've used Sentry mm-hmm. forever, um, and I know, like personally, when I've decided to use it, like the fact that it's open source has always been something that made you feel better about using it. And something that's like, oh, if if it ever gets too expensive, we can host it ourselves. Of course, you never do end up hosting it yourself, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's nice to have that option. Um, so we thought, like, maybe that maybe that model would work for for a knowledge base, right? And if we we're never gonna go bust, um, you can always get your documents out. It's not gonna disappear. You can host it yourself if you want to. Um, and because it's just the two of us working on it part time, we can solicit contributions too. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to make some money off it. We'll, we have a hosted version that's still free. Yeah. Um, Where do you start with a product like that? Because you need a lot of, it seems like you need a lot of stuff to work well for large teams. Uh, you need like document storage and Canvas obviously want like the embed and integration route. Mm-hmm. Like where do you even start and how are you thinking about the the sequence of things to build there? Yeah, the main two things in outline right now that we started with is having a really good structure, being able to define the structure of the the the, the stuff that you're putting in there. Because I feel like that's like the file organization kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a tree type system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's one of the big things that's missing when people try and use like Google Docs or paper for this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being able to like semantically lay out the information a little better, um, and then having having a really good editor is is key too. Like the bar has been raised so much there in the last few years. And any, anytime someone is like, oh, all these tools are bad, they're like, I'll just go create a new text editor, which is just a miserable experience. It's a really hard problem. Yeah. It turns out. I, I it mean, doesn't look hard at its face, but damn. And there's definitely been a few weeks that I've been working on this side project when I'm like, this isn't fun. Why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> this is torture, but I've got this far in now. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. Don't build a text editor if you can help it. Um, but we wanted it to work certain ways, and we wanted it to have a level of polish and look kind of seamless, you know, with the product, and not have like this giant word style toolbar at the top and that kind of stuff. Um, so we ended up building that, which I'm just in the process of pulling out of the main wiki. Yeah, um, and that'll be open source as well. And that's going to be open source as its own. Just, just a, it's just a React text editor. You, you put Markdown in and yeah. get Markdown out basically, and it's it's just a really nice UI. I I get that there's like a 
like a value play a little bit on open sourcing everything. But if if you want this to eventually people pay for it and and things like that, was was that ever thought like maybe we shouldn't open source it and just hold on and see if if given enough time we can turn this into some like revenue generating product? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a thought, but I think we just realized that that they're, they're just not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like. There was more value to us. There was more benefit to us to have the goodwill, try and build a community. You know, we mm-hmm. again, we like we started a community on Spectrum for it, um, and try and get like people to uh, to want it, you know, and to, uh, to 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 help us with plugins and yeah. and that type of stuff. Then it mm-hmm. that was like the biggest problem for a startup is kind of just like nobody knowing you exist, right? Like um, not them stealing the idea or not them like going and hosting it themselves. Like the problem is just that they don't exist. So it just seemed like the benefits of that stuff, plus like the, the marketing aspect and using it as the, the way to market as, as a differentiator. Like why would we use this thing that's made by two guys as opposed to using this other product that's made by a company? I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, that company, there's a decent chance it won't exist next year, whereas our thing will still. <laughs> and if we do mm-hmm. disappear, you can go and host it yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like two commands to do so. So it seemed like a really good value proposition in that respect. That is a good value proposition. How's it going so far? It's going well. We actually haven't like properly launched yeah. yet. Um, we did have like a couple of people tweet about it that ended up um, bringing a bunch of users in. Uh, because it's open source. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people just find it. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe this is the launch. Maybe I'm launching it right Holy now. Holy shit, at the end of design details. Uh, is this something that you've been testing internally? Like, could this work at, at Abstract as a, a knowledge base for, for that size of company, that kind of company? It definitely could, yeah. We we don't use it at Abstract right now. Coinbase uses it internally. Cool. Um, for For all that knowledge. Um, abstract by the time we got it kind of production ready we were already invested elsewhere sure unfortunately how do you um, think about that problem because we have very similar like existing investment problems with community software mm-hmm. it's like somebody's already got a hundred members on some other platform a hundred hundred thousand ten thousand there some people that's a lot okay, okay I wanted to make it sound good uh the cost of switching is just like not worth it. Right. And right. So how do you think about that particular problem, especially as you take longer and longer because you can only work on it a couple days a week? It's even trickier with communities, right? Because you're talking about a hundred random people, people mm-hmm. yeah. that are only connected by this this thing. Like try and move that thing is is even more difficult, I would say, than moving a team hmm. that's connected through a company and has a boss that can tell them, hey, we use this thing now. <laughs> Um, and you're going to be forced to use it. Yeah. Right? What was the question? <laughs> so yeah, how do, you, how do you think of that like switching cost aspect? So for example, Abstract is already too invested in some other solution, right? And as Outline grows, like you're going to encounter that a lot more. What's the the product or or development mindset there? Is like, all right, we're going to encounter a bunch of people that are already invested in their existing thing. How do we combat that? It's it's. I don't know. It's difficult to get those 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 companies. I mean, one thing we've we noticed at Abstract as well is that like, especially bigger teams, they they have cycles. They go through like this. 
there's a period of time where they're open to switching um, and you kind of have to catch them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, either they become disenchanted with the existing product, or, um, which is usually the case, I'd imagine, or they like reach the end of a contract contractual period um, and you kind of have to be in mind already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you have like the technical side of actually having to have the tools there to be able to bring across their content, um, which honestly is not something we've done yet. Like import those, those import. Well, I mean, we, you can import a markdown file right now, but like importing from other services, um, it, it's not something we've built yet. That would be something we need to build <laughs> on the roadmap, all, calling all contributors. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to build Google docs import? Nobody, nobody, <laughs> zero people on the planet earth. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, any, any, uh, I don't know, lessons learned of balancing side projects that, as well as doing the full-time thing. Is that exhausting or is, is the side project a release from a little bit, like I say it can be, and then sometimes it's a, a real pain, yeah. uh, depending on which aspect you're working on. Um, I mean, I'm lucky in that, I mean, you know, I'm still, uh, I don't, don't have like a kid or to look after you are lucky (laughs) yeah i mean like i don't know how some people do it really like like to to bring up tim again right like he has two kids and still finds time to to work on fun stuff on the side like that's impressive Mm -hmm. and i don't blame anyone that that doesn't have the time (laughs) to be honest (laughs) in those types of scenarios but yeah i'm looking there like I don't, and my and my girlfriend is uh, as a cook, so she works like crazy weird hours and yeah. have a lot of time when other people would be out having a date. Mm. <laughs> and it's like eleven o'clock in the evening. She's still at work, so hey, I'll I just guess. I'll just hack on code for an hour. <laughs> Makes it easy for you. Yeah, you don't have to plan any yeah. dates. No dates. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the benefit there. Yeah, <laughs> zero dates. Uh, what keeps you up at night these days? keeps me up at night i actually sleep exceptionally well really is that because you're working too much i work just enough that i sleep <laughs> exceptionally well <laughs> okay um yeah i know it's a of phrase but i yeah very very good sleeper uh-huh nothing keeps me up that's good that's great to hear and an acceptable answer that not oh. a lot of people uh now you have something that the relief just oh, visibly no no the release just visibly went from. I thought me. you just thought of something. No, You're like oh shit, I am really worried about. Something. <laughs> it was like it's an acceptable answer. And I'm like ah, oh, answering nice. this question. Um, well, where can people find Outline? Uh, so getoutline.com mm-hmm. or GitHub.com/slash/outline. Nice. We got you got slash outline. We Dang. got slash outline. Nice. We're slash with Spectrum. It sucks. Who's got Spectrum? I don't know Time Warner or something. I don't know who has it actually. If that's time one, that's fair. I wonder if it's like some random account that's unused, you know? That's always the frustrating one. That would right? suck. Yeah. At Bryn is unused on Twitter, and I'm so sad uh, I can't have it. One day. Nope. Never. Zero days. They won't give it to me. <laughs> minimum length is five characters now. Dumb. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, we will. I think we, uh, there was another project there, and we, but it hadn't been touched in three years, and we, we emailed the guy, and he was very gracious in handing yeah. over the domain that's nice yeah did he make sure it was open source he's like you get I it i think that I, honestly again i think that helped yeah like the fact that we said we're gonna put open source on here and it's not gonna steal it for a, some yeah. private source company that's awesome yeah cool uh well we're out of time thanks for coming by 
Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate the chat. It was fun. Same. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Tom. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Tom. That was episode 245. Thanks so much to Tom for coming all the way here from like six blocks away to hang out for a little bit. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, give us a shout on Spectrum at spectrum.chat slash specfm. That's where our community for all of our podcasts on the Spec Network are hanging out. We got a channel for design details as well as all the other podcasts which we're producing for designers and developers just like you. Again, that's at spectrum.chat slash specfm. And of course, while you're working, get some swipeys. Swipeys are really dope, reusable paper. It's like a whiteboard you can take anywhere with you and that's pretty much the greatest thing. You can find them at swipi.es. That's Swipeys. If you use the code SPECFM, you'll save 10% off anything in the store. Buy hundreds and then convince your company to buy thousands for your team, for uh, your engineers. They're awesome. Seriously, we bought 300 of them and it was a wonderful decision. Yes. Thank you to Swipeys. Go check them out at swipi.es. Swipeys. See you next week.